Welcome to The Podlight, the audio collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm your host, Bob Stedler. We have a great episode today. We'll be talking about State Senator Scott Weiner and the state housing crisis. With me is Janice Bitters, senior reporter for San Jose Spotlight. Welcome, Janice. Thanks for having me, Bob. So somebody who is not afraid to make waves and to move the needle for housing in California is State Senator Scott Weiner. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I mean, some of his proposals have become uh, household names, you could say, which is unusual. Most people don't know the, you know, the actual bill number. Um, And yet his SB 35 and SB 50, pretty much everybody in California knows those. He he has made waves. Yeah. And so uh, so we're going to listen to some clips from his presentation past spotlight event, and we're going to comment on it. And let's listen to the first clip. Because for 50 years, we California has completely deprioritized housing. We have uh, passed law after law over the decades to make it harder and harder and harder and even impossible to build enough housing. And so what SB 50 does is it doesn't solve everything. There's never one magic bullet. But what it does is it goes to the heart of one of the foundational problems that we have with housing, which is that we we don't zone for enough of it, and we certainly don't zone for enough of it near the jobs and near the public transportation, and it calls the question and says, okay, is it sustainable to ban apartment buildings near major public transportation infrastructure? So I think he's really accurate on the how we got here portion. And so Janice, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that what he's saying here, I don't think anybody's really disagreeing that California has not done a great job of prioritizing housing development. Um, And so uh, I definitely, I get it. Uh, I also think that it's a fair comment that we don't zone enough land for housing because I, you know, I've mentioned this before, but California has a 3.5 million home deficit if we wanted to house everybody. And yet across the state, cities in their general plans and specific plans have only zoned for about 2.8 million homes. So that tells you right there what um, Senator Weiner is talking about. Um, He's definitely, you know, pinpointing the problem when he talks about zoning. Yeah, I I just think the lack of building has been a kind of quiet killer for our California economy. And we just have to do something about it sooner rather than later. Yes. The cost of delivering housing has gotten a lot more expensive uh, in California, and it's a real problem. That's not something that, you know, we can't solve every housing problem with one bill. Um, and SB 50 doesn't specifically, it's about, it's about zoning, uh, not about that. Uh, now, of course, if you are building multi-unit instead of single, only single family, it's a more efficient way of delivering housing, so you're going to address costs to an extent that way. Uh, but the, the, the real drivers of, of the spiking cost. So construction is often used, from my perspective, as an excuse and as a driver for why it is or is not happening. The construction worker shortage, 
sometimes for me is a way to cast aspersions at union labor in some sense where there are workers available. You just don't always want to pay them what they think they deserve. And so sometimes this issue gets a little murky for me because I've not heard of anybody saying that, you know, there's no workers anywhere. It just sometimes gets to the price point. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. So I've talked to folks, I I do think that the union labor payment, you know, that, that has been a big debate and whether cities should require PLAs, project labor agreements that require them to use union labor, because these, I mean, everybody deserves a living wage, right? Is the argument and that's fair. But, um, but what I have heard, I've heard developers in interviews, they've told me uh, that they have friends. I've never spoken to a developer that this personally has happened to, but but you know, I, I've heard many of these types of stories where there's a project going up and they had a crew in the morning and then lunch comes around and nobody comes back from lunch. And the reason they find out later is that somebody from down the street who's also trying to work on a project didn't have enough labor and they walked up the street and said, hey, what are they paying you? $25 an hour? I'll pay you 30 if you come right now. And they go. I don't know how often that actually happens. I'm sure that when you work for a union, that's less likely to happen because they have very strict agreements with these you know, developers. But I do think that there is a shortage of labor um, in terms of how much development we really need to how much stuff is proposed. I mean, we, we don't have a lot of people, um, doing this. And a big reason, um, that I've always heard is back when the recession happened, people left the Valley, these contractors left the Valley. And now, now that we are in a boom time, uh, and we have so many projects trying to get out of the ground, we haven't gotten all of those people back. So. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic. I I think it's, it's kind of used as an excuse to not do certain things in certain ways. And it's also the biggest way for people to argue against fees, to not have to pay fees. And it shouldn't have to be a choice between paying fees and paying workers, but it's, it's a debate that will not end anytime soon. So let's also talk about, you know, talking about Apple, Google, and Facebook. And here's the clip. I'm, I'm all for uh, our uh major employers uh, providing financial support and other support for housing and for many other things. So uh, I, you know, I'm very supportive of what Apple, Google, and Facebook, and also Kaiser, Kaiser made a big uh, billion dollar um, pledge as well, uh, what these major employers are are doing. So that, it's great. Um, with that said, I, we also should not overstate uh, the significance of it. So tech companies are showing up and it's a great thing, but it's just, how is it perceived as a question? Yeah. I mean, I think his point is, is correct that, um, while we want to appreciate that and say it's good, yes, tech companies show up, give billions of dollars to the cause cause we could use it. I mean, we never want to disparage anybody for giving money, but you know, uh, Senator Wiener is very, um, realistic when he says you know, that we, we shouldn't overstate it either. It is compared to what we really need to do as a state, very, it's a drop in the bucket. And, um, and he brings it all back to zoning and what cities allow. And he places the responsibility primarily on local jurisdictions. And, and that's, you just can't be any plainer than that. And his next clip, we talk about, you know, zoning, you know, and the 75% of the residentially zoned land in the state of California allows for single family homes. 
has become the uh, hot topic lately. But, you know, who's going to have the will to change that? That's a good question. Uh, You know, we have seen the state of Oregon and we have seen the city of Minneapolis, Minnesota. They've both made moves to basically say uh, in different ways. I mean, I'm not going to go into the details of both their bills, but what they've done is they've created space where once only single family homes were allowed, now they're allowing duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. And, you know, they believe that this is really going to address the growing housing crisis in those cities and states. Um, And that's a conversation here. But it's controversial. I mean, it's uh, what I think Mayor Sam Licardo's talked about how he supports that, but he's like, but if you try to go too hard on that, they're going to come and burn down City Hall. Like, you know, residents don't like change and they like the, you know, I know character, quote unquote character is important to them of their neighborhoods. So, yeah, and it's, it's not going to change quickly. Um, and the next topic we talk about is the real four-letter word uh, citizens look at, and those are fees. Okay, you have communities like San Francisco that are dramatically increasing impact fees to the point where in San Francisco, every housing unit that's built is going to pay $165,000 in impact fees per unit. That affects the cost of housing. And cities are doing this in part because we make it way too hard for cities to raise revenue for government services. But some cities have figured out that if you just raise the fees high enough, no one can build anything. Um, so we have to make policy reforms in addition to not just corporate funding, but we need a lot more government funding because government can move dial on funding much more quickly than corporations can. So fees have been used as a as a shield to thwart development, and I think he's hundred percent right. And if you just cost projects out of existence, they're not going to be built. And I think some cities have not even been uh, transparent on why they do what they do, but they try and use the fiscal responsibility excuse. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, this is a debate that we're having in the South Bay a lot. I know Senator Weiner kind of mentioned San Francisco uh, and maybe suggests like those fees are so high that maybe maybe they don't want <laughs> development and <laughs> that's the purpose. In San Jose, we recently had the debate around downtown high rises and whether or not we should cut fees for developers in order to help get those developments out of the ground. The argument being, you know, on the one hand, the government only has a certain number of levers to pull to get a you know development to be affordable. And that's really city fees. Everything else from the cost of construction to the land prices and things like that, that's not in the city's control. So San Jose went the other way and they said, we're going to cut it. We're going to cut the cost of the fees for downtown high rises in order to try to get these things out of the ground. Whereas Senator Weiner is saying some cities might be using the fees as a way to keep them from coming out of the ground. I don't know. I mean, that might be true. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of it's true. Um, and this next conversation we talk about, you know, I think the debate that's going to rage on for the next decade or so, which is local versus state control. Yeah, I think that this local versus state control has been a huge issue with SB. 50 SB 35 and also you know the recent San Jose ruling that says that San Jose and all charter cities need to follow the rule of making their uh, city-owned land when they sell it 
uh, go towards housing. They can't, you know, that's got to be their priority. And everybody's wondering how to balance it. I think (laughs) Senator Weiner is seen as somebody who leans hard on having the state control this conversation because he's the one he's, he's been kind of the architect between behind SB 35 and SB 50. Um, but he's talking here about how he really does want to balance. Yeah. I, I think the problem is this local control has gotten us where we are today. Right. And so it's really hard to argue for local control when, we were down to the 3.5 million home deficit. So at some point, I think they've tried to scare cities straight, so to speak, using that terminology. Whereas, you know, if you don't do the right thing, we're going to come in and take it away from you. And cities have just kind of said, eh, I don't really care. So I think you're going to have to see an SB 50 or something even more aggressive really change their behavior. And I think it's coming. I think it'll come in the next year. That's definitely an argument that people have that, um, well, even if you believe that local control should rule the day, we're not making progress on our housing shortage. So how do we solve for that? That's the big question. I know so many city council members up and down the state, overwhelmingly the city council members that I know are people who are in it for the right reason. They run for office because they care about their community. They're being paid little or nothing having to take a lot of time while they're maybe working or raising a kid, getting yelled at, they're doing it because they care. And so many city council members, uh, they may or may not be able to say it publicly, more are saying it publicly, but a lot are saying it privately, are very supportive of building a lot more housing. They're supportive of a lot of the work that we're doing. And again, more and more are able to say it publicly, but there are plenty who will come up to me and say, I can't say this publicly, but thank you for what you're doing. And the reason is, that we are, we have, you know, I don't like when people demonize local governments. If local governments are just ruining everything. It's not true. I think a lot of people are, you know, saying that, you know, I'm really on your side, but, you know, if you could just, just make, you know, the good senator, the big bad, the big bad wolf of, you know, I'm on your side, but those, you know, Sacramento is making me do this. I don't know if that's 100% plausible. I just, this is the part of it that I just don't, I know there's probably one or two, but I think, you know, I think a lot of people get elected for various reasons. And I think in the smaller towns, NIMBYism could be a big one. Uh, I I think that you're right that, you know, when people elect representatives, they elect those representatives because they believe that they will follow through (laughs) on the issues that mean the most to them. So... Yeah, I mean, look at Cupertino. I think they've been criticized a lot um, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of groups. There were a lot of people elected in the last election who um, kind of ran on a on a platform of slow or no growth and opposing the Valco development. And, And I think that those leaders probably are not happy about Senator Weiner's SB 35, which is being used to try to redevelop Valco. Um, But there may be I mean, I. It's hard to say uh, without sitting through a day sitting next to Senator Weiner and seeing if anybody calls him up and and says, hey, don't tell anybody. But secretly, I'm glad that you're trying to push SB 50 through. You know, I don't know. I'm not (laughs) saying he doesn't hear that ever, but I I just think small cities get what they want. Right. Los Gatos, the town of Los City, the town of Los Gatos, the North 40 fight that didn't need to happen. But the voters actually didn't ha- seem to have a problem with it because they didn't elect somebody who 
said, oh, yeah, just streamline that and go forward. So it's just the real deficits coming from the small towns that should just need to do their fair share. And if they just started doing their arena numbers now, we can build our way out of it and look at the way Europe looks at transit and really build more dense. Yeah, I think that's fair. And speaking of the arena numbers, one thing to look out for is um, I'm hearing that the arena numbers that are being calculated now are significantly higher than the arena numbers in place now. Um, so, you know, the next batch of of regional housing needs assessment, you know, those are going to be way higher than the goals that many cities in Silicon Valley are already not meeting today. So I think a lot of cities are getting very nervous. We don't know how it's going to go, but I think Senator Weiner is talking about these bills as a way to kind of shepherd some of that, you know, some of that housing forward. And I, it, it just depends on your view of the world, whether that's the right way to do it or not. And I think the Rena numbers come first and then the six come second when they start withholding money from cities. And I think, I think a conversation that's going to come from a regional perspective is to start to reallocate tax dollars. Since Prop 13 is the third rail, it'd be kind of interesting to look at how sales tax money gets distributed and start to really look at, is it population-based? Is it where it's being sold or is where it's being bought? And I think a, a shifting of how the tax base works is probably going to happen sooner rather than later. A lot of people are talking about that right now. And the biggest reason is because as we know, the current tax models because of Prop 13 kind of make housing not profitable. And so that's why we get so much more commercial space than we do housing in the Silicon Valley. And this is one way that I think more and more lawmakers are talking about how do we change the way taxes are drawn up so that we can make housing more profitable and we can just sort of encourage that type of behavior to build that housing. I mean, just imagine if sales tax went to the city where it originated from, not where it was sold from, but originated from, like San based Jose. Based on population. Based on population. So let's say 150,000 people spend X amount on Amazon or any, you know, name your online retailer, and that money stays local. Then the economic development fights change, and where city, where these corporations are based are not quite as relevant and then it makes putting housing in places not seem so bad because if people are spending X amount of you know sales tax per year, it balances stuff out. So I think I think the rethinking of the nomenclature of what the taxes are and where they go could be easier to solve than trying to split a role on Prop 13 because there's this embedded. I mean, people know SB 35, but I doubt there's. I mean, if you went around saying, "Do you know what Prop 13 is?" I think, you know, we'd be in the 80s and 90 percentile. Yeah. A lot of people know what Prop 13 is, particularly if you're a homeowner and benefiting from it, <laughs> or if you wish to be a homeowner and you're thinking about how it has, you know, contributed to an issue of not allowing you to be a homeowner. Um, so it's going to be a big year, I think. I think these are going to be conversations that will come up a lot in 2020. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see. And I'm sure um, I can't wait to see what the good senator is coming up next in his uh, mad scientist laboratory of uh, legislation. This has been The Podlight, a collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm Bob Stedler, and we will see you soon.